0: Welcome, and thank you for listening to Sandy Creek Stirrings. I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez. And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them. And you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. The Bible says in Psalm 8411, my last verse, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. i based my whole life on that, that it pays to serve God. And I believe that law all my heart. God has given us a guidebook. God has given us a directional map. And that guidebook, that map, is the precious Word of God. Listen, don't just go and sit in the pew. Find some way to serve and serve as a family. Be a part of everything at church, and when you learn to love what God loves, um, your children will learn to love it as well. Homes are not that spiritually strong. We're getting overtaken by the world quickly, but unfortunately, we're pumping all the sewage in. You know, we're letting the world in when that ought to be a haven. The question we're going to deal with today has been around for decades and, shall I say, even centuries. It's become a major theme, a common question in our culture, in our pews, in our churches, and even on our pulpit. The the world's feminist movement did much to help sow the seeds of this question in our churches. But the reality is this question isn't something that's a modern thing. This question has been around for centuries, even going back to 1761, where a very famous man began to answer this question in his own fashion. And this subject has come back to light and really has come back to the forefront of the stage in the evangelical world. I'm not a huge fan of the term evangelical, but the evangelical world, even the Baptist world, in response to the, the Southern Baptist Convention and the recent past couple of year actions of Rick Warren. And if you're unaware of this subject, this is a big deal. This is a question that must be answered. And we're going to try and do our best to answer it today from the Bible. Let me thank you for listening to Sandy Creek Stirrings. Of course, I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez. Glad to have you listening to the podcast today. Looking forward to this is our final podcast before Thanksgiving. I don't know about you. I'm pretty pumped up. I'm ready for some turkey, some cranberry sauce, and stuffing. You know, they say there is a turkey shortage and there's a cranberry sauce shortage. What are we going to do? I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, my The stores in my area are filled with turkeys, and uh, the stores in my areas are filled with cranberry sauce. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they say, supposedly. Everything's a shortage. Now, can I tell you this? Common sense is on a shortage today. Godliness is in a shortage today. Good biblical knowledge is in a shortage today. That's another reason you should listen to Sandy Creek Stirrings. Help build your Bible knowledge. Amen. And uh, But anyway, glad to have you here today. Looking forward to Thanksgiving. I don't know about you. I'm looking forward to just having a good time with family and then our push into Christmas. Oh, I love the Christmas season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Don't say it again or I'll get singing. And uh, I just love the Christmas time, the Christmas spirit, uh, all the different things that go into Christmas. I love that time of year and looking forward to another Christmas season. It just doesn't seem like it should be here yet, though. I was teaching kids church, junior church this past week, and I had a little four-year-old boy. And uh, we were talking about a Christmas uh, program that we're running for our uh, children's and teen ministries here at my church, and um, a way that they can purchase Christmas gifts for their family members and how they can work toward that. And uh, we're running a program. And he raised his hand to ask a question. I said, "Yes, sir." And and then his little four-year-old broken English, uh, he's still learning. He said, "How Christmas? Christmas was Christmas was just here yesterday." How is Christmas here? And um, clearly, I thought, man, if time is flying for you at four years old, man, what is it doing for me? And what is it going to do 20 years from now? Because goodness, time is flying. Everybody told me growing up that the older you get, the faster time flies. I believe them. It seems like just yesterday, uh we were celebrating Thanksgiving. I mean, where did the year go? 2022 just a month and a half and it's over. A whole year in the books. What do we have to show for it? Good question to ask. We're going to tackle a topic today um on the subject of can a woman be a pastor. And we're going to start a what you might call a mini series over the next few episodes. We're going to discuss we're going to title it I think unless I change my mind after I record this, but I think we're going to title it Pastor 101. And uh, we're going to have a few different episodes on pastor, what does it mean to be a pastor, what is a pastor, what are the requirements to be a pastor. And so we'll probably have one, maybe two more episodes after this one, probably two episodes after this one, because it wouldn't be much of a series if it was just two parts. And But we'll probably have two episodes after this one on dealing with the subject matter of as I mentioned, what is a pastor? What do they do? What are the requirements of pastor? And uh, and deal with some of the issues that are coming up in today's world, like this question, can a woman be a pastor? Now, obviously, some might think that I'm doing this backwards, that I, you know, shouldn't you discuss the requirements for being a pastor and what is a pastor biblically before you tackle this question? And, and that's a very valid point, but I wasn't planning on doing a mini-series on pastors until I had already decided to answer this question, and that came kind of came about the more that I began to study out this topic and see and hear the questions that people had in regards to a pastor, the office of a pastor, the art of pastoring, um, the questions that I'm seeing in today's world. I thought, man, this really needs to be talked about a little bit more, so I went back and I began to take a look at some things that I thought, you know what, we should really um, discuss this here on the podcast. So we're going to answer, can a woman be a pastor, and allow that to lead to some other subjects. Now let me tell you this, um, if you missed this past episode that we just recorded, which was episode number 200, and I think it was 232, I'm not sure off the top of my head, I'm pulling up my episode list, yes, 232, Why I Am Not a Southern Baptist. And um, we discussed many different things on why I'm not a Southern Baptist, but we ended with this story and the, the true story of what's going on doctrinally within the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, we discussed last time about what's happening with Rick Warren. If you're unaware of that subject, if you missed that, let me encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. Now, I know that is a long episode. It's a long lesson. It's 57 minutes long and some change. And um, when we switched and we started having only Friday episodes, I uh, I decided, you know what, we tried to before stick under 30 minutes. I just decided when it comes to just one episode a week, we're going to make it as long as it is and you can cut it up however you like throughout the week. But I wanted to, um, I want you to go back and listen to that if you missed this. Because It opens up and it kind of is the springboard for today's episode. And that very last point of that episode goes into detail on what's happening and why this subject is coming back to the forefront of even the Baptists. In a snapshot, I'll give you a snapshot real quick. Rick Warren, who is a longtime Southern Baptist um, who promotes and honestly promotes stuff that is just false doctrine. Uh, We don't have time to go into that in in this episode, but he's got some major issues. But he went with his church, Saddleback Church, and ordained three women to be pastors. He did that a couple of years ago. It's a direct violation of the Baptist faith and message of 2000, which is the Southern Baptist. By the way, I'm not a Southern Baptist. I discussed that in the last episode. Um, but it, it violates their doctrinal statement, their confession of faith, which is entitled The Baptist Faith and Message of 2000. And you have to hold to that confession, you have to hold to that doctrinal statement if you want to be part of the Southern Baptist Convention. And when this came up a few years ago, the Southern Baptist Convention failed to handle this issue promptly and in the way it should be handled. And in this year's most recent convention meeting, they appointed a committee, to study what the word pastor actually means in Scripture. And so, needless to say, these events have brought back the question to the forefront of many minds. This isn't just a modern-day question. This is a question that has been around for a long, long time. As I mentioned, go back to 1761, and you'll find men like John Wesley—yes, that John Wesley— the one that all of you adore so much, Uh, John Wesley, uh, ordained women to the pastorate back in the 18th century in 1761, specifically with Sarah Crosby and then some others. But this subject is coming back to light with all these modern-day things that are happening. And this is a biblical question. It's got to be handled and answered in a biblical fashion. And if the Bible is explicit on this subject, which we're about to see whether it is or not— then it removes the need for the insertion of personal feelings or opinions. If the Bible's clear, that's God's Word. No ifs, no ands, no buts. We should follow the clear Word of God. Also, if I can add, we should avoid looking for dim loopholes to try and make our personal opinions fit. Look, when we come to Scripture, we never judge the clear things of Scripture by the unclear things. We always take what is clear and judge the things that may be unclear or may be dim or we may not completely understand. We judge those passages by what we already know. That's proper biblical interpretation. Now, before we get into the scriptural answer of today... Now, let me first establish the truth about women and equality for a brief second, and maybe if you would like to, you can email me, joshua at sandycreeksturrings.com. Again, that email is joshua at com. If you would like to hear a whole episode on women and equality, the feminist movement, email me, and we'll think about doing an episode on that subject. But I want to make sure it's a subject that people want to hear, um... Of course, some I don't care, I give you anyway, but, um, but you email me if that's something you want to hear more about, but let's talk about that for a second. Women, females, are precious in the sight of the Lord, and by the way, they're just as precious as any man in God's sight, just as precious. And in regards to intellectual abilities and justification and sanctification and many other areas, men and women are created equal. They're created equal. I mean, on the intellectual level, men and women are created equal. Truth be told, I've met some ladies who are much smarter and much wiser than some men that I've known. But saying that men and women are completely equal, is not truth. I mean, there are obvious differences just physically between men and women. So no, we're not created equal. And when you look at Scripture, there are clear differences as outlined by God in regards to the role of women versus the role of men. You will find in Scripture the theme the principle that the men are appointed by God to be the leaders and the women are to follow that lead like it or not that is the way God has designed it you cannot show me that anywhere else in scripture where that was not God's design you can go back to the commands to God and the or to from God to the home where it has the husbands, the wives, and the children within Scripture. You'll find what happens. The husband is supposed to leave. The wife is commanded to submit to the husband, which is the clear followership position. And that's not my word. That's God's word. That's the way God designed the home. That's the way God designed the roles of men and women. Now, let me say on that note, I have seen some men who were horrible leaders— and their wives, honestly, would probably, humanistically speaking, would do a much better job than they would at leading their home because their husbands are spineless and lazy bums. But my personal opinion cannot deny the truth of Scripture that a man is to lead his home. Like it or not, he will answer to God one day for how he led his home, and the woman will never have to do that, and that's something a woman should be thankful for. And there are some men who would go out and they would abuse Scripture. They would preach long and hard on on wives submitting to their husbands. By the way, the word submit doesn't mean she becomes a floor mat for him to stomp on. The Bible in no way condones an abusive relationship. But there are some guys out there who call themselves independent Baptists, and they abuse Scripture, and they turn the role of a woman into a floor mat, and that's not what God intended. Yet these same preachers, when they preach these long-winded things on submitting to the, submit to the husbands, they'll preach and preach and preach on that and that and that and that and about how, how you should submit to your husband, but they never preach on how a husband is supposed to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Why, that's a lot of love. That's sacrificial love. And if a husband, by the way, if a husband strives for that kind of love and the wife follows her husband, this marriage that where both are doing what they're supposed to be doing, it will be the most incredible thing you have ever seen. My point is that God has established different roles for men and women, and that's that. You may disagree with me. I challenge you. Go to Scripture and prove me wrong. If you can prove me wrong, send me an email, Joshua at Sandy Creek Stirrings. I would love to be—I say I would love to be proven wrong. I don't know. Would I love to be proven wrong? If if you can prove me wrong, prove me wrong. You're not going to. Uh, That's just the way God designed it. There's no ifs. There's no ands. There's no buts. I wanted, though, at the very beginning of this episode, to give a few thoughts of my mindset as we proceed forward in Scripture. It kind of answers the mindset. I'm not a male chauvinist. I'm not. I love my wife. I try to give myself for her. I never try to abuse the submission that she's supposed to have to me. I never try to abuse that. And so this is, the, today's episode isn't coming from a male chauvinist who men are better than women, boys are better than girls are. That's not the case. That's not the case. But Scripture does have its answer, and its answer should be final. Now, you might be offended already. You might already be shutting me down. You say, well, I'm sorry your God is so small that He can't make women to be pastors. He's able to do, he's able to do anything. God can do anything but fail. First off, I haven't even answered the question yet. And then, second, that's stupid. Your answer, your response, if that's your response, and by the way, this was the response of a lady who wrote into a, a Southern Baptist and told him that his God is too small and that God can do anything. Second, that's stupid because God can do anything, but he will not violate his word. If he did, then he would not be God. Period. I'm sorry that you think God is so hypocritical that you think He would violate His own world and ma- His own Word and make Himself into a liar. God can do anything, but He has clearly outlined and established different roles for men and women. The running back of the football team can complain all he wants about not being the quarterback and how much he would like to throw the ball. But at the end of the day, it's not his choice. It's the coach's. The coach decides the best place for all the players and their abilities. The team will do better as a team when the running back plays his position to the best of his ability and quits trying to be the quarterback. It's as simple as that. In the same way, God, who I will not blaspheme by calling him the coach, but God has decided the role that we are supposed to play. The team will play better when everyone just decides that that is the best role for them, and they're just going to give their best. It's as simple as that. Now, what does Scripture say on the subject? I am glad you asked whether you asked or not. Let's take a look. I, I will give you some clear reasons today why a woman and i'll just give you the answer right off the bat why a woman cannot be a pastor and then give you some scripture for it number 1 a woman cannot be a pastor because number 1 she cannot fulfill the requirements of the pastoral office she cannot fulfill the requirements of the pastoral office paul gives the requirements of a bishop which is another word for pastor in scripture he gives the requirements for being a bishop first Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 one of the very first requirements is found in 1 Timothy 3.2. It says, A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Titus 1.6, covering the same topic of requirements to be a pastor. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife. I ask you this, how can a woman be the husband of one wife. It's impossible. The only way that a woman could be the husband of one wife is to misuse terms like the modern world wants to use. But then you would have someone who violates a different requirement of scripture. Because if you have a woman who says, Well, I believe it's okay uh, for women to marry women, and so I am the husband of my wife. So, yes, I'm the husband of one wife. Well, they've got another issue because the Bible says that another requirement for a pastor is that he should be blameless. 1 Timothy 3.2, a bishop then must be blameless. Titus 1.6, if any be blameless. Blameless. What's that mean? Without blame. Meaning if you throw mud, it won't stick. But the problem is if I have a a woman who says, it's okay, I am the husband of one wife because I'm married to a a woman and, and she's my wife and blah, 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 she's no longer blameless because she's violated God's word clearly in the area of homosexuality. By the way, you say, well, is that really a violation? Is is homosexuality against Scripture? I'm glad you asked. Go back and listen to episode number 227, Homosexuality, Biblically, Factually, and Logically. So she would no longer be blameless if that was the point she rested on. The point is no woman—I'm sorry, no woman, no lady— can fulfill God's qualification of being the husband of one wife. She can never do that biologically. Therefore, no woman can be a pastor if they cannot meet the requirements of a pastor. And by the way, those are not my words. Those are God's. And we could very easily stop there, but we'll continue. Number two, I find the reason a woman cannot be a pastor is, number two, she is not allowed to teach men or us- or usurp man's authority. Now, I'll break this down into those two points, because in the same verse, it talks about the same two things, not teaching men or usurping their authority. 1 Timothy 2.12 says, "...but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence." And the verse has two clear commands that are clearly connected to each other. Both of these commands, the command not to teach and not to usurp, are given in regards to women and their regard to men. So the first part of that, we'll kind of break this up into subpoints for you, make it understandable. Letter A, teaching. All right? So a woman, according to this verse, is not to teach men. Why? Because that's the subject matter of her teaching. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor, 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 again, nor, which connects the two, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, which means grammatically this verse is saying that she's not supposed to teach men. How can a woman be a pastor of a church and never teach men? It would have to be a female-only church. That, that's the only way a woman could be a pastor of a church and not teach men, is for it to be a church made up of only females. That's the only way. Here's the point. In the real world, at some point, a woman, quote-unquote, pastor, will have to get up and violate this verse and teach men, which is something that's so clear. But I suffer, which the word suffer means Allow but I allow not, but I suffer not, a woman to teach or to usurp authority over the men. Paul very clearly saying, look, it is not allowed for a woman to teach men. And then some, you know, they might fire back and say, well, teaching and preaching aren't the same thing. You know, it, it says don't teach, but what about preaching? Well, the problem with that is if that you go back to the requirements of the pastor again, go back to that list of requirements of a pastor, here's one of the requirements. Listen very closely. Because a woman might say, she might say, well, I'm not going to teach anybody. I'm just going to preach. So I'll just be a, a preaching pastor, and I'm not teaching anybody. Well, here's another requirement. If you are going to be a pastor, here's a requirement for the pastor. 1 Timothy 3.2, A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given a hospitality apt to teach. Now, in one of our episodes of our Pastor 101 series, we're going to cover what these specific requirements of the pastor means. So I'm not going to dive into necessarily what apt to teach means, but basically it means she needs to be able to teach. Rather, he needs to be able to teach. So either way, truth be told, if a man can only preach— and he has no teaching ability whatsoever, he is not qualified to be a pastor. You have to be able to do both. You have to preach and teach. And a woman finds herself in a big conundrum because if she teaches, then she violates 1 Timothy 2.12. If she doesn't teach, she violates 1 Timothy 3.2. So she cannot pastor without being in violation of Scripture in regards to teaching men. Now, does that mean a woman cannot teach within the church? No, it's saying that she cannot teach men. She cannot teach men. In fact, you'll find within Scripture the spiritual women, the spiritual women are commanded to be teachers. Titus 2 verses 3 through 5 says, "...the age women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women." to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Yes, a woman can teach in church, but she cannot teach men. There's a clear distinction from Scripture. So she can teach a ladies' class. She can teach a children's class. She can teach at a ladies' conference. There are many, many options there, which is great because women are some of the most wonderful teachers in the world. And that's a shout out to all the great moms who invest time in teaching their children. I'm thankful for a mom who taught me during my life and raised me to be the man I am today. She was a great teacher. I'm thankful for my wife who I watch day in and day out teach my girls and teach my young son to be good people who follow and love the Lord. Women are some of the best teachers out there, but in regards to pastoring the office of pastor and the church house, she can teach, yes, but she's not allowed to teach men. You cannot be the pastor without at some point violating that principle, that scriptural, very explicit command that she's not allowed to teach women. Now, the other portion of that, in that she violates this passage, is that letter B, A, was teaching, but letter B is usurping authority. Now, the the word usurp is defined in the 1828 Webster's Dictionary as to seize and hold in possession by force or without right. Modern dictionaries put it this way, to infringe, to take illegally. God places a very clear statement in regards to simply the word usurp. To God and His Word, it is illegal. It is without right for a woman to take the authority from men in the church and to possess it themselves. That's what the word usurp means. It means it's illegal. It means you don't have the right to do that. You say, well, I'm not going to tell men what to do. I'm not going to be an authority over men. Well, the pastorate is a position of authority. Notice what Hebrews says. Hebrews 13, verse 7 says, "'Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation.'" Who leads you? Who rules over you with the word of God? Your pastor does. Notice what? Rules over you, which makes it a position of authority. Hebrews 13, verse 17, 10 verses later, would say this Obey them which have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Directly in this passage, referring to the pastor. The under-shepherd to the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, the pastor, has to give an account for you. That's why you should listen to him and follow his authority. Very clearly, the pastorate is a position of authority. And a woman, a lady, cannot assume that position without taking that authority from a man. Scripture is clear once again. Number three, a woman cannot be a pastor because a woman is supposed to keep silence in the church. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 34 says, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. 1 Timothy two eleven says, Let the woman learn in, all, in silence with all subjection. Now you say, well, wait a second. Are you saying that a woman cannot utter a peep during the church service? No, no, no. I'm not saying that, and that's not scriptural. There are all kinds of passages that reference women and their teaching of women but their teaching and even prayer within the church and the the different sounds and words and things that they utter within church it doesn't mean that they're quiet and they can't say anything that's not what that's saying because that would be a contradiction of those other passages like 1 Corinthians 11 and some others so what does this passage mean then i mean it says she has to keep silence what's it mean it means that a woman notice the 1st Corinthians 14:34 let your women keep silence in the church for here's the reason why it is not permitted unto them to speak It means that the woman should not speak or can I put it this way that a woman should not be the speaker Again as you continue reading 1st Corinthians 14 verses 34 through 35 Paul takes the authority and places it on the men, and specifically that woman's husband. I simply ask you this, and I'm kind of going to just keep it simple in that regard. If you have a question, email me on that, and we can answer that. But I simply ask this, how can a woman keep silence and not speak and not be the speaker and be the pastor? It's impossible. It's a direct violation of, of Scripture. So can a woman be a pastor? Can a lady be a pastor? And we could give more points, but I think those three are very clear. In simplicity, the answer is no. A woman cannot pastor. I think in some regards, though, the question might be better put in this fashion— I think a better question than can a woman be a pastor, it might be better put this way. May a woman be a pastor? Now, this might seem to some as as kind of a ticky-tacky thing, but everyone understands, or at least you should have been taught in grade school, the difference between the question of can, which is a question referring to ability, versus the question of may, which refers to permission. Can is ability, may is permission. And here's the reason I say that it might be better put, may a woman be a pastor? And here's the reason why. Intellectually, women are created equal as men, as stated before. In that sense, there is no reason to, from an earthly perspective, from a human perspective, there is no reason to believe that a woman does not have the ability to be a pastor, at least on the intellectual level. But this isn't a question of ability. This is a question of permission. Like it or not, your opinion, my opinion, the feminist movement's opinion does not matter. And God does not grant women the permission to pastor. Simply put, They do not have the ability to pastor while maintaining a right view of Scripture and permission from God. They can't have both. Now, you can debate ability all you want, but at the end of the day, it's not about ability or what a woman can or can't do. It's not about ability. It's about permission. And that is simply something that a woman, a lady, cannot have from God she cannot have permission to be the pastor, and that from Scripture is undebatable. Now you might say, Josh, if a woman might have the abil- might, if a woman might have the ability, couldn't she just push through and do it even anyway even without God's permission? Well yeah, she could. I mean, you can see that exemplified by Joyce Meyer and Beth Moore and others. They have no permission of God, not from Scripture, but they choose to violate His Word by assuming. Listen closely. They violate His Word by assuming and maintaining a pastoral role. What's the issue? The issue is that the Holy Spirit cannot have His hand upon that, because if He cannot approve of it, if He can't give you permission for it, then He cannot bless it. And if the Holy Spirit cannot bless what we are doing at church— or truly be allowed to work in our midst, then what are we even doing? We must be very careful that we do not allow emotionalism, which is what these women, like Joyce Meyer and Beth Moore, who have decided to push aside whether or not God would give permission and just say, well, I think I have the ability, so I'm just going to pastor anyway, and they've pushed aside God's permission and you say, well, God's not working in your church because He's not. He can't bless it. And they say, well, look at this, look at this. These people are all excited about what's happening over here. And and oh my goodness, this person had a feigning spell, and it was just the Holy Spirit and all that. Let me tell you something. We must be careful that we do not allow emotionalism. We must be careful that we do not allow emotionalism to be confused with the Holy Spirit's working. You get these people in these music concerts and oh they're jumping up and down and oh the spirit is so good and they're waving their hands up and down and they got to put their hands in the air and sway back and forth and oh and they they sound like indians from from back in the western movies and they're like oh and they got their hands up in the air and they're like oh and they're swaying back and forth and oh the holy spirit oh the holy spirit that's not the holy spirit that's emotionalism And going back to the point of violating permission because you think you have ability. If the Holy Spirit can't bless it, if the Holy Spirit therefore cannot work, then we have no point in meeting. It's as simple as that. Now let me tell you this, the modern day movement, like Rick Warren, who is a mess, doctrinally, biblically, scripturally. The modern day movement and Rick Warren have thrown a wrinkle in the argument that they believe is God's Word approving women to be pastors. They say, and I'll give you what they say, they say there is a difference between pastoring as a gift and pastoring as an office. In essence, they say, well, there's a gift of pastoring and a gift of teaching that can be given to both men and women. The Bible is only clear, Josh, on men holding the office of a pastor, basically the lead pastor, you know, the main pastor. That's all those requirements and everything you brought up today, which isn't even accurate because it says, let women keep silence in the church. That not referring to an office. But anyway, they say, well, everything you talked about today is just referring to the office, which we believe that only the lead pastor can be a man because pastoring is a gift to men and women. Is that true? Is that a wrinkle in Scripture that cannot be ironed out? Is this loophole something they can jump through? I'm glad you asked. We'll discuss it in our very next episode, so we'll leave you on a cliffhanger there until Pastoring 101, Part 2. We're going to discuss exactly what is a pastor biblically, look at the different things that they have to. I'm not going to discuss requirements just yet, but we're going to look at from the Bible, what is a pastor, what is his role, what is position, what is his responsibility, and we'll discuss that in the very next episode, including taking a look and seeing if this wrinkle cannot be ironed out after all. My friend, I hope that answers your question on can a woman be a pastor? May a woman be a pastor? The answer is very simply, no. I pray and hope that that helps you. If you have any questions, you can always email those in to joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. Until next time, keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ.